0: Welcome to Be Ye It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. Our gospel begins with Mary's relative Elizabeth. But in order to understand this dissentation, we really need to go back a few verses. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee. Nazareth, who a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph. Gabriel comes to this teenage virgin named Mary and tells her that she will give birth to the Son of God. Understandably, Mary asks Gabriel, But how can this be? No, I'm a virgin. Gabriel responds by saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon her. And then he offers her proof. Proof that this will actually happen. And the proof is that something miraculous has already happened. In her old age, Mary's relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. So Mary responds seemingly convinced. Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to the word. On my first day of preaching class in seminary, we did a little exercise with this passage. We were split into multiple groups and acted out this scene multiple times. Except that each time we acted it out, Mary conveyed a different emotion. For example, when I just read Mary's response, I read it with confidence. And this is traditionally how we read this passage. But listen to Mary's response read slightly differently. See if you can tell the difference. Here am I, servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Do you hear the difference? Maybe a little fear in the place of confidence, doubt, instead of straightforward belief. The whole point of this exercise was to show that our interpretation is at least partially based on how the scripture is read. Because the printed word always leaves a little bit up in the air, a little bit of ambiguity. I'm sure you know this if you've ever tried to convey sarcasm in text or in an email. Because if any, you're anything like me immediately, after you send that message, you get a pit in your stomach, just worrying that they won't catch on to the joke. This raises the question, What if Mary wasn't quite as confident as our traditional readings suggested? I mean, she had every reason in the world not to be. She was a teenager who was just told she was going to give birth to God's son. As soon as she started showing, the rumors would start. And she'd be ostracized by both friends and family. So on one hand, if what the angel said was true, her life would be utterly changed forever. And on the other hand, if none of this was real, she was likely experiencing some kind of mental health crisis. So wouldn't it be understandable for her to be just a little afraid? To feel just a little bit of disbelief? And to just be in shock? But Luke doesn't tell us what she felt. He leaves it ambiguous. And then he carries forward this ambiguity into today's gospel. Because immediately after Gabriel leaves, in the very next verse, what does Mary do? She rushes to see Elizabeth. But why? Remember, Elizabeth was Gabriel's proof. So why did Mary go see the Elizabeth the second Gabriel left? Was it to throw her a baby shower? Was it because she needed to get out of town and be with her relative? The rumors? Or was it because she needed proof of what the angel told her? Was this journey rooted in joy for her relatives' good fortune, in fear of the future, or in doubt and disbelief of what the angel had said?
1: Or was it maybe some
0: combination of all of these? Again, Luke doesn't tell us. The ambiguity lingers. But as soon as Mary enters Elizabeth's home, any doubts that she may have had disappear when the child leaps from within Elizabeth's womb, proving that what the angel had said was true. And then we're told that Elizabeth starts praising her. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Maybe belief is more complicated like to admit. Maybe it's something more nuanced than simple cognitive assent. Maybe it's slightly more fickle, constantly waxing and waning, always containing and maintaining at least some degree of doubt. It need occasionally being propped up by those in our community, our Elizabeths. Or, as I've heard it described before, maybe belief is just trusting something enough to act as if it's true.
1: Luke tells us that Mary accepted
0: God's call. Let it be with me according to your word, she says. But Luke doesn't tell us much else. And I don't think that all of this ambiguity around Mary's belief and her emotions is unintentional because whatever Mary was feeling or believing isn't the point of Luke's story. The point is that in the midst of whatever she was, doing, while wrestling with joy, fear, excitement, doubt, thankfulness, and disbelief, this tiny thing was growing inside of her. This baby, this Messiah, this savior of the world, this this God, this Jesus was growing inside of her. So in the midst of her complex emotions, in spite of anything she was believing or not believing, Christ was coming to the world. There's a lot of pressure to feel a certain way this time. I wonder if you felt it. In the Advent, season, specifically were encouraged to get penitent, penitent to be penitent, to strengthen and flex our spiritual muscles and prepare a place for Christ in our hearts. With the assumption being, that if we fail to do so, maybe Christ won't bother to come at all. And maybe, just maybe, if we do a good enough job of all of this, we can make our way back to God by Christmas. This is the story we're often told. And this is the story that we often tell ourselves the story of our journey to God. I love Advent, I love everything it stands for, the penitence and contemplation and all of that, but what if on this fourth Sunday of Advent we look back on the past four weeks and feel like we failed? Like we've just squandered Advent away, hopefully I'm not alone in this, but what if we didn't spend all of the hours in prayer that we would have liked? What if we ended up skipping over half of the readings and devotional we bought back in November? What if we were simply too tired and exhausted and worn out to get an intentional to be contemplative, to strengthen and flex our spiritual muscles, and to prepare a place for Christ? And what if uh, we not only don't feel like we should, But also, after the past two years we've all had, we're having trouble believing anything at all this Advent. (laughs) And then, on Saturday, Christmas will come. And we're expected to just flip this switch and celebrate for 12 straight days. You may be worried that you won't feel the right way on Christmas either. Maybe, instead of being a time of joy, it will be a time when all you can feel is the absence of us. But this story, this story of our journey to God, this story that we can feel our way to God, or believe our way to God, or do our way to God, is not a true story. It's certainly not Mary's story. It's also not the story of Advent or the story of Christmas. And it's not good news. The good news is that in the midst of whatever we're feeling, we're not feeling, believing, we're not believing, doing, we're not doing, God in Christ has come and is coming again. The good news isn't the story of our journey to God, but it's the story that in our ineptitude and inability to feel the right things, or believe the right things, or do the right things, God journeyed to us. Mary knew this. Mary, with everything she felt, didn't deal with her belief and her doubt, is one of the most Remarkable figures in scripture and in history, even. Because, in spite of all of these emotions and possible doubts, for nine months she was chosen and allowed herself to become God's temple. Think about it. For nine months, her body became the place where God physically dwelt. For nine months, her womb housed and nourished God, so she deserves our honor, respect, and even adoration. But Mary knew that God alone deserves our worship, because God alone can save us. So after Elizabeth praises Mary, Mary redirects that praise God, bursting into song, a beautiful song that proclaims that while she is blessed to be chosen as God's vessel and to be a part of God's story of redemption, God is the one who has come to save us, God is the one who is setting all things right. My soul magnifies the Lord, she sings, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his God's mercy is to those who fear from generation to generation. God has shown strength with His arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise He made to our ancestors. To Abraham and to his descendants forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hears. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.